The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Are you glad to be here today? I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. If I haven't already said it to you, happy Thanksgiving. I know we're past Thanksgiving now, but I didn't see most of you for Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. Did you have a good one? Yes, yes, good. Well, hey, today we are starting a new series uh, called Adore. Uh, It's a series all about worship. Uh, I thought this would be a perfect time for us to talk about worship uh, right after Thanksgiving and leading into Christmas. Now, quick survey. Uh, How many of you have already decorated for Christmas? Anyone already? Ooh, a whole bunch of you. Okay, Uh, I know in church circles, uh, sometimes we want to know if you're pre-trib or post-trib. I want to know today if you're pre-Thanksgiving or post-Thanksgiving, all right? How many of you are pre-Thanksgiving decorators? Pre-Thanksgiving decorators, okay? How many of you are post-Thanksgiving decorators? I like y'all. I like, I like you just a little better than the other people. I just need you to know that. Um, in our family, there's a dilemma because Lisa is a pre-Thanksgiving decorator. I am a post-Thanksgiving decorator. So here's what happens. The inside of our house, which is Lisa's domain, gets decorated the first Saturday of November, okay? Uh, The outside, which is my domain, gets decorated the day after Thanksgiving, all right? That's how we do it at our house. And so I decorated the day after Thanksgiving, and and we're getting ready for Christmas. But right here, we're coming up. We we got Thanksgiving, we got Christmas, we got a new year right around the corner. What a perfect time to turn our eyes towards Jesus. Jesus. You might remember if you were here at the beginning of this year that we kicked off 2023 with a series called Pray First. It was just a series that was orienting uh, ourselves around putting Jesus at the center. It it taught us how to pray. It taught us just to to come to the Lord every day and to to just orient our hearts towards Jesus. And I thought as we come to the close of the year that maybe we need another reminder to just orient our eyes back towards Jesus. This week, uh, because we were home uh, for the holiday, we, were, we, we had some time down. We were just there. So uh, I took advantage and I just did some maintenance, all right? Some maintenance around the house and some maintenance on our vehicles. I got an oil change. I, I took care of some things that in the normal busyness of everyday life, I just hadn't had time to get to. And, you know, just like we have to do some maintenance on our houses, on our vehicles, ju- just like that. Our hearts sometimes need some maintenance as well. And I don't know of anything better to orient our hearts, to maintain our hearts than worship. And so we're going to take the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about worship. I think it's going to set us up beautifully for Christmas Eve service. And uh, that's which that that one, I don't want it to be confusing. It's Christmas Eve service at normal time. We're not doing it in the eve, all right? We're doing it in the a.m., all right? It's going to, I'm so excited. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready for the new year. Is anyone looking forward to a new year? Anyone? New year. So we're going to talk about worship. So what I want to do, uh, we do this every week, is as we get ready to open God's word, I want to ask you to open your heart to what God has for you today. So we do this thing where we just pause and we say a quick prayer. And if you're like, man, you guys pray 
pray a lot around here. Yes, we do. And, uh, but this prayer, it has one really specific purpose. I'm going to ask you to ask God to speak to you today through his word. And what I found is that this is a difference maker, okay? God will speak to everyone that's here today. But if you'll pray this prayer, I believe that he has a very specific word for you and your family and your situation. So how many of you are going to pray that prayer with me today? Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that it possesses to help us, to change us, to correct us. Lord, thank you. Lord, as we open your word today, we also just take a minute, we open our hearts. Whatever's gone on today, whatever's gone on this week, we want to get really focused right now so we can hear your voice. So we open our ears, we open our hearts, we open our minds to you today, and we ask you to talk to us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I want to start with a verse that you might be familiar with. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You've probably heard this verse. It's a pretty well-known verse. You may have heard it like at a baby dedication. This is sometimes a verse that we choose as we're dedicating our children to the Lord. Maybe you've seen it on a a poster or, or maybe on someone's social media, but you might not have connected this verse to what we're talking about right now with worship. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 through 14 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Is anyone anyone glad that that the Lord has plans for you? Anyone thankful for that? Says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. God has good plans for you. Here's where it starts tying into worship. But there's a qualifier that's in this verse that those who search for him, here's the word, wholeheartedly, okay, wholeheartedly will find him. And that's where it starts to connect to worship. These next few weeks as we talk about worship, I want to give you a definition because sometimes when we say the word worship in church circles, we think about that time in our service that we just had where musicians come on the stage and people with really pretty voices come to the stage and they sing songs and they lead us in a time that we set aside for worship in that particular expression. But I want you to know that as we talk about worship, yes, we're talking about that time where we sing and we clap and we lift our hands, all of those things. But but we're talking about so much more. It's not just a time in our service. It's so much more. So let me give you a simple definition that I think will help you. Worship is when you express your love, okay? Worship is when you express your love. There's a Greek word in the, the, the Bible, the New Testament, it's written in Greek, and so sometimes it's helpful to go and to look at that word to help us to understand it. And there's a Greek word that helps us to understand worship, and uh, it's this word, it's proskeno, all right? I, I, I hate Greek words, which means this, it means to kiss, all right? It means to kiss. Now, I'm not talking a romantic kiss, although it is Christmas season, and yesterday I came home.
home. And as I walked into the door, my wife was hanging mistletoe from the light fixture in our entryway. And so I took full advantage of her hanging the mistletoe and Ava got grossed out and it was a wonderful moment in our home. And then I have found multiple times to find myself under the same mistletoe, okay? Because that's what married people do, okay? But that's not what this word actually means. This word, this is probably a better way to understand the Greek word for worship, which is expressing your love. It's more like a a dog kissing his master's hand, okay? It's a a dog that's that's licking their, their master, that's expressing their love to their master. Now, you probably already know this about me if you've been around here very long, but I really, really like dogs. I, we're a dog family. Where are my dog people at? Anyone? Dog people. I like y'all. Okay, I like you. I like dog people, okay? Um, our dog, his name is Cooper, okay? Cooper loves when we come home, okay? Your dog probably does as well. It doesn't matter if we've been gone like a few minutes or a few hours or a few days. It does not matter. He's going to respond in the same way. In fact, I have a little video. This was about a year ago. Um, we uh, Mercy actually came home from college. This was her first visit, and Cooper's just going wild. He's just jumping. His tail's wagging. He's circling. He just keeps coming back like, I've never seen you. Oh my gosh. Here's what, here's what Cooper's doing. Mercy, you're home. You're home. You're home. Mercy, you're home. 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 And he's just circling, circling, circling. I love dogs, y'all. I love, I love dogs. Cooper loves. He loves it. This is what this Greek word uh, for worship really, really means. When he gets like this, in our home, we call it the zoomies, okay? Uh, That's what we call it, because he just zooms and zooms and zooms. And so we'll go, oh no, he's got the zoomies, right? You kind of got to watch out, okay? You got to make some some room. Uh, He gets, Cooper gets so excited. Uh, He loves Pastor Tyler, okay? Uh, Cooper loves Pastor Tyler. And we don't know why he does this. We, We don't know. But every time Pastor Tyler comes to the house, we have to let Cooper outside of the house to greet Tyler. And I'll tell you why. Because every time Cooper sees Tyler, he pees, all right? That's, that's what he does. He gets so excited that he just, he pees. A uh, uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, the, we were out of town. And so uh, my in-laws were, were helping to watch Cooper. They were dog sitting. That's, it's their grand dog. And so they were taking care of Cooper And uh, while we were gone. And uh, my mother-in-law called to, to check on us. And she was telling us, she goes, guys, I think Cooper's depressed. He misses you. He's just, he's just moping around. And so they started saying, they'd say, Cooper, are you ready for mom and dad to come home? And he'd perk up and he'd run to the window and he would look for us and he wouldn't see us. And so he'd go back to his bed and he'd just lay down and he'd be all sad, right? This is the idea, this, this expression of love. This, this is such a great example for us for worship. This is the kind of worship that God is looking for. The problem is that there's too many Christians that that we don't worship like this. We don't express our love towards the Lord like a, like a, a, a dog as their master returns home. I'll, I'll just put it this way. There's a lot of Christians who worship more like a cat, okay? Am I helping you? Am I helping you right now? All right, all right, listen. Where's my cat people? Cat people, okay, just a few. Listen, I love you too, okay? 
This is why God sent me to Albuquerque. It's for you. It's to help you. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Cats. I have a picture of a moody cat. Check out this moody cat. Cats are moody. Cats aren't there to bring you love. Everything in a cat's life revolves around them, right? They just sit there and you, want, you, you call them over and you want to pet them and they're like, no, no, I'm just going to sit here, right? And I thought of this because sometimes I, I come in to worship, I'm sitting on the front row and I hear you singing behind me and people are lifting their hands and they're clapping and they're worshiping and they're going. And I look and I see some cat people, right, who are just like... I'll just, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like worshiping today, you know, just, I'm just going to be here. Am I helping you? We're, we're trying to figure out how to worship, right? We're trying to figure out how to worship to, to express our love towards the Lord. God, you might not know this, is looking for passionate worshipers. Let me show you. John chapter 4, verse 23 says this, but the time is coming, indeed the time is here, when true worshipers, when, when dog-like worshipers, right, when expressive, passionate worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And then it says this, the Father is looking for those who will worship in that way. He's looking, he's, he's looking, he's watching. Where are the worshipers? I'm looking for them. If you read through the scripture, you might notice that not everyone in the scripture is treated in the same way by God. And you might think that that's not fair, but if you look closer, what I think that you'll see is that man actually has a part to play in how God treats us. Now listen, his love, God's love and God's grace are for everyone, okay? That does not change. But what this scripture just showed us in John is that God's paying special attention to the worshipers. Here, here's what I'm trying to help you with. You have the ability to get God's attention. You can get God's attention. And the way we do that. It's through our worship. I'll give you an example out of scripture. There's a guy you might have heard of. His name is David. Uh, he's famous for killing a giant named Goliath. He's famous for becoming the king uh, of Israel. He's famous for writing many of the Psalms that we read. He, this is a quite a, a character in the Bible. We, we see him all throughout the Old Testament. We see him there. And David, here's what you also need to know about David, is that David was quite the mess up, okay? Quite the mess up. I like finding the mess ups in the Bible because I relate to them, all right? I like finding the mess ups and I like finding the mess ups who discovered how to pursue God despite their mess up. And this is David, this is his story. Somehow, despite his mess up, he seemed to always have God's favor. And I believe that one of the reasons for this, for this is because he is a passionate worshiper. 
There's a story about David's worship that I want to show you this morning. David, uh, here's the context, is the king uh, at this time, and he's led a battle to recover something called the Ark of the Covenant, okay? Ark of the Covenant. This is not Indiana Jones, okay? This is Old Testament. The, the people of God literally had a box, and, it, and it, it housed the presence of God. This is hard for you and I to understand today, because today, the the presence of God is everywhere all the time. But in these days, the presence of God literally resided in a box called the Ark of the Covenant, and they lost the Ark of the Covenant. It had been stolen from them. So David leads the army. They go to war. They fight, and they get it back. And David is really excited to get it back. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever lost something and then when you found it, you were really excited. Has that happened to you? Um, for Eden's birthday, uh, a friend gave her a water bottle. And it was, uh, I don't know the brand, but apparently it's a, a special brand. Because when she got it, she was like, oh, that's a whatever it was, right? And I didn't know what it was because I'm getting old and don't know that matters to me anymore. But I was excited for her. And the next day, she filled up the water bottle and she took the water bottle to school. And when I picked her up from school that day, she did not have the water bottle. Y'all, one day. That's how long she had it. One day she had this water bottle. And we're like, Lisa and I are like, babe, where's your brand new water bottle? I looked it up. They're like $40. I'm like, where's your $40 water bottle? I... I don't understand. It's bright. How did you lose it? Did someone steal it? Do I need to go talk to Where is the water bottle? And to be fair, I was more upset than she was, but then she started to get upset. She cried. She's like, Dad, I don't know. And so the next day, she came home. She goes, Dad, I looked everywhere. I went to the gym. I went to the lost and found. I looked at my locker. I went to my science class. I went here. I asked all of my friends, and I could not find the water bottle. So uh, we made her, because I wanted her to learn, use her own money to buy a new water bottle, because that's what we do in our house. And two weeks later, guess what showed up? The water bottle. It showed up. And you should have seen when she got in the car that day, now, not one, but two water bottles, right? Dad, I found my water bottle. And we had a little celebration there in my truck. We were excited. When you lose something, and you recover it, we tend to get excited about it. And David, in this passage I'm gonna show you in 2 Samuel, he has found the Ark of the Covenant, they've recovered it, and he's excited. 2 Samuel 6, verse 13. After the men who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had gone six steps, remember that, David sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf, and David, watch this, this is, this is expression of love towards the Lord, worship, danced, David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Remember that, we'll come back to it later. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy, that's an expression of love, and the blowing of ram's horn, okay? So David and his army recover the ark, but what you need to know is that they're about eight miles from home, okay? They're about eight miles from where they got the ark back to their home to Jerusalem, and so what happens is this, is that uh, every six steps, they stop 
and they worship the Lord and they thank the Lord and they remember his goodness and they express their love. Now, if you're doing some math in your head, okay, eight miles, okay, about 2,000 steps is a mile, so about 16,000 steps to get home, okay, and every six steps, they're stopping, they're worshiping, they're shouting, they're blowing the ram's horns, they're getting excited, so in case you're, you're wondering, that's approximately 2,600 times from the time they get the Ark of the Covenant to the time they get home that they're stopping and they're expressing their love to the Lord. This is crazy, right? So think about it, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Woo! Right? They didn't come very far, but they stop and they remember. And then, okay, guys, one, two. And I can hear someone in the back like, can we take bigger steps? <laughs> this is going to take four ever, right? And so they're like, yeah, one, two, right? And they're trying to make up ground and they get there and they stop and they worship. And I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking how incredible this story is that every six steps they're worshiping. So they're, they're worshiping like you just did a few moments ago on Sunday. They're worshiping. They're blowing the ram's horns. There's instruments. There's clapping. They're shouting. They're worshiping. And then it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they worship again. They're worshiping. They're, they're building a culture in, their, in their, 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 they have a culture of worship. And then they finally make it back to Jerusalem. And now we're in 2 Samuel 6, verse 16. And then I'm going to go to verse 20. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from the window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how dis uh, distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. I'm going to come back and explain that in a second. And David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes, but those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think that I am distinguished. Here's what's going on. You might remember in the passage that we read earlier that says that David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. Now you get to this story where he, they're finally entering into Jerusalem. Michael is looking down out of her window and she's watching. And as David comes into the town, here's what happens is he, he doesn't actually dance naked, but he takes off his priestly, his, his kingly garment and he lays it aside. And here's why is he wants all the attention on God. He doesn't want the attention on him or his army who recovered the ark. That was a big deal. It was worth celebrating, but now the ark is home and all of the attention now goes on the Lord. And let me help you with something with worship. It's easy to worship when you remember what God has done for you. It's so much easier when we remember all that the Lord has done for us and I just have a belief that my worship 
of God should be my most extravagant worship. I'll tell you what I mean. Have you ever thought about how we give our love, our expression, our worship to other things? Uh, a few uh, weeks ago, Lisa and I had a chance uh, to go to an NFL game. I think she actually mentioned it uh, one, one day. She was talking, and I think she mentioned this, but uh, we, we, we were given tickets to see the Tennessee Titans versus the Chargers. It was the, 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 the Tennessee Titans, um, their, their home opener. And to be fair, we don't care about either team, okay? But we thought it'd be fun to go. We were given seats, and they were great seats, y'all. I mean, we got there, and we, we we, we you know, found our, our ticket number and our seat assignment, and we were like, whoa, these are really good seats. We're at the 40-yard line, about 15 yards up, and we're sitting there, and we're just enjoying it, and it's a beautiful day. Things are going, and, and the, the game's going back and forth and back and forth, and we start to meet the people who are sitting around us, and we realize that we had been given seats in the, the section where the players uh, and all, the, all of the team uh, Get, they get to put their family there, all right? And the, the lady that sits next to us, her husband is the GM for the team. We're like, what? No way, right? And she had 26 of her family there because it was the season opener. They were there to celebrate him. It was actually his first game as the GM. And so we're finding out, we got his name and we're cheering for him, you know, and all the family's there and they're meeting us, right? And we're all, you know, we're all getting to know. And, and, and she, there was an aunt. Uh, so, so it goes, it, it, they tie it up with just a little bit of time left and it's going to overtime, all right? Going to overtime. And the aunt is sitting right in front of me. And this is the aunt the whole time. She's sitting in front of me, her heads down on the seat in front of her. And I hear her praying out loud, okay? Literally, she's like, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'm standing behind her. And I'm like, hey, y'all, submit your prayer requests. We have, a, we have a prayer warrior right now, okay? If you need something, you should, right now, she's in deep intercession, right? And she's like, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And like, the, the, they kicked off in overtime. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, it was so fun, y'all. A little storm moves in. It starts raining, but now I'm invested. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting wet. Lisa's getting wet. And God, the Titans win it in overtime. And when they won, her, the aunt and the cousin, and I, they start hugging Lisa and I. <laughs> hugging, like big hugs. We did it, bro. We did it. I'm like, I know. We did it. I love you, man. I love you. I mean, we are like, so excited for this moment. And I laugh now because I don't care. I go, I don't know the Titans record. Now even, I couldn't tell you one player on their team. I do know the GM, but I couldn't tell you one. He's my man, he's my boy, right? We have no problem expressing our love for a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team or a Black Friday sale or a whatever, right? Like we have no problem expressing our, our love in these contexts. Last week, guest, our guest speaker, Chris Songson, did you enjoy him? Chris, uh, Chris encouraged us. I wrote this down. 
hold nothing back from God today. I've been trying to hold on to that all week, every day. Hold nothing back from God today. This is what I believe God is looking for in our worship, is to hold nothing back from God at all. And man, I'll just, I want to talk to you for just a moment because quite honestly, we tend to struggle more with this than the ladies. And so I'm just going to challenge you today. Don't be out-worshipped by your wife. Don't be a cat worship. Don't be a cat, okay? Don't be a cat. Lead your family in worship. Let your children see you worship. Let your kids see you surrender your heart to God. Let them see you give your all to God. Let them see you hold nothing back from God. See, we tend to care too much about what others might think. We, we, we give too much attention to what others are, are going to say uh, uh, about us. And to be fair, this has happened for a long time. I'll, I'll show it to you in, a, in Scripture, Luke chapter 19, verse 37. There's a, a story that, that helps us. It talks about worship, but also shows how other people are watching and judging as people worship. I want to show it to you, Luke 19, verse 37. Right at the crest where Mount of Olives begins its descent, the whole crowd of disciples, look at this, burst into enthusiastic praise, Okay. That's, that's that Greek word, praskenu, right? That's, that's, that's like, oh, you're home, you're home, you're home, you're home. They burst into enthusiastic praise. Watch this. Over the mighty works that they had witnessed. So I'll just say it again. It's easy to worship when you remember what God has done for us. Here's the disciples. They're worshiping enthusiastically as they remember the works that Christ had done. This is in Luke chapter 19, so I did something. I went back to Luke chapter 1, and I just read from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 19, and I just made a list of the things that the disciples had seen Jesus do in these first 19 chapters of Luke. I'll just give them to you quickly. Jesus drives out an evil spirit. Then Jesus, drive, uh, then Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. I almost said drives out Simon's mother-in-law. He healed her. Luke chapter 4, verse 40, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each one, he healed them. Verse 41, moreover, demons came out of many people. Keep going, chapter 5 and on, he heals a man with leprosy, he heals a paralytic, he raises a widow's son from the dead, he calms a storm, he heals another demon-possessed man, he heals the woman with the, the blood issue who just simply reaches out and touches his garments as he's walking by, he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, he feeds 5,000 with just five loaves of bread and two little fish, he heals another boy that's demon-possessed, he heals a woman that's been crippled for 18 years. He heals 10 more lepers, and then he heals a blind beggar. And I'll just say to you, after all of that, it's no wonder that the disciples burst into enthusiastic praise. They had just seen the power of God. You go back, and here's, here's what it says about their worship. It actually records what they were singing, what they were proclaiming. Blessed is he who comes, the king in God's name. All is well in heaven, glory in the high places. And verse 39 says, some Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, get your disciples under 
control. Verse 40, but, God, but he said, Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones will do it for them. They will shout my praise. The Pharisees are looking. They're, they're the cats of this story. They're watching and they're judging. Why, why, why are they so loud? Why are they jumping? Why is that disciple kneeling? What, why are they lifting their hands? What, what is the clapping about? Why, why is that guy blowing a, a ram's horn, right? They're, they're judging, but the disciples cannot help themselves because they've seen the works of God. So church, I, I'm, I'm here on week one of our series called Adore to ask you, let's not worry about what others think about our worship, Let's be the worshipers that God is searching the earth for. Let's be those worshipers. In, um, in sports, there's, a, there's something called, I, I, I call it this, I don't know, I call it super fans, okay? There, there is a fan and then there's a super fan, all right? I have some pictures in case you're not familiar with super fans. This guy's got cheese on his head, okay? Cheese on his head, all right? These guys painted on their bodies. Okay, please don't do this. Don't come to worship with G-O-D, okay? Look, look, I mean, look, ridiculous, this is, this is ridiculous, right? I mean, but here's the deal. When the TV, when the camera scans across the arena and these yahoos end up on the screen, we laugh, we cheer them on. We're like, look at that guy. He loves his team. He's going, his team has a losing record and he doesn't care, right? I'll just tell you right now, my in-laws are super fans, Super fans. If you haven't met them yet, you probably have. They moved here from Louisiana. They are super fans. They are Saints fans, and they are LSU fans, okay? I don't care what you think. That's just what they are, okay? A few times that they've been here, we've invited them to come over, and almost every time they say yes, but if LSU is playing, they don't care. They don't care about their grandkids. They don't care about their grand dog. They don't care about their daughter. They actually have never cared about their son-in-law, but they, they don't care. Yesterday, we, uh, we, were, we have a thing where we take all the leftovers from Thanksgiving, and Lisa puts it in a pot, and we make this, this chowder. It's so good, y'all. It's so good. It's so good. And so we thought, you know, this is our first Thanksgiving with with mom and dad here, we should invite them over for, this is our tradition, this chowder that we do after Thanksgiving. So Lisa called, you know, good daughter. She called, mom, dad, do y'all want to come over? And they said, no, LSU is playing at 10 o'clock. We're like, fine, fine, be that way, be that way. So super fan, right? Super fans don't care. Super fans don't care what you think about them. Super fans don't care if you're laughing at them. Super fans don't care. And so I'm, I'm trying, Harvest, to help you because I don't want to be a stuck-up Pharisee. I want to be a super fan of God. So I want to end today with some practical teaching on worship. I've actually taught <clears throat> this uh, before, but I come back to it over and over because I find it to be very helpful 
I want to go to the book of Psalms. Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. There's 150 chapters, chapters, and almost every chapter of Psalms has something to say about praise, about worship, about expressing our love to the Lord. Now, the original language of the Old Testament is Hebrew. So earlier we were talking about the Greek word because that was in the New Testament. Now we're in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew language is a larger language than ours in the English language. In fact, it has four times the number of words as the English language. So in my opinion, a woman probably created Hebrew and a man created English. That's what I, I don't know. I can't prove it. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, I shouldn't have said that. So sometimes, Lord, forgive me. <clears throat> we need to understand the nuances of the, the Hebrew words so that we can better understand it in our English concept. So this is the case with the word praise. We have one word for praise, but the Hebrew language actually has seven words. So I'm going to show them to you really quickly, really, really quickly, seven words, because they help us to understand how to express our love towards God. The first word is this word. It's called Hallel. Okay, Hallel. Uh, it's where we get the word that we use today, Hallelujah, Hallel. Okay, this means to rave, boast, celebrate, or be clamorously foolish. So we've kind of already talked about this. The, the best way to, for us to think about it would be a super fan, right? Think about a fan at, at a sporting event. They're wearing the jersey. They're clapping. They're yelling. They're cheering, right? They're going crazy. Psalm chapter 35 verse 18 uses this word. It says, I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you or I will hallel you before all the people. I will rave. I will boast. I will celebrate. I will be clamorously foolish. That's word number one. Word number two is yada. This means to acknowledge in public. Psalm 138 verse one, I will yada you. I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. It means to acknowledge in public. So, so think, think of why a husband and a wife, when they get married, exchange a, a wedding ring, right? It's this, it's this expression, like it, no matter where I am or whether Lisa's with me or not with me, it's like, like I, I, I am committed. I love my wife. I, I, she, she's mine and I'm hers and, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed. I mean, imagine, imagine if, if you took your ring off and you said, honey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave this here today. I mean, I love you, but today I'm just going to leave this here. She might not be there when you get back home, am I right? Because it's not enough to privately acknowledge. We also need to publicly acknowledge. And that's what we do on Sundays when we come and we worship, is we're publicly acknowledging our love for the Lord. Number three is this word, Barak. Barak means to bless by kneeling or bowing. Psalm 103, verse 1 Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise or barak his holy name. This means to present yourself to God, expecting him to give you something you don't currently have. 
So you go to the Lord and you, you bow before the Lord and you're expecting, I'm worshiping through my posture, but I'm expecting him to respond to my worship and to bless me, to give me something that he possesses, but I don't. That's, that's Barak. The fourth word is this, zamar. This is making music uh, to God with strings, with stringed instruments. This is one of the reasons that we use you know, instruments, and drums, and guitars, and, 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 and keyboards. This is one of the reasons is we're, we're actually taught in Scripture uh, to use instruments to express our love. Psalm 92.1, it is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that I am not good at making music, and so you will not see me on stringed instruments making music, but I do make music in the shower, okay? I do make music in the shower because it's just me and the Lord, and if the girls hear me, I don't care, all right? Here's the, the fifth word. I like this word. It's called shabak, okay? I just like saying it, shabak, to address in a loud tone or to shout. Psalm 63, verse 3, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will shabak you as long as I live, <clears throat> and in your name... I will lift up my hands. Now, in our home, uh, uh, basketball season is starting. Uh, Ava is, is on the basketball team at Hope. And uh, so for us, we're excited because basketball season, like her first game is this week. And we learned something last year uh, in, in her freshman season. We learned that Lisa does not like to sit next to me during her basketball games because I like to shabak, okay? <clears throat> I shabak at Ava. I shabak at her coaches. I shabak especially to the refs, right? I like to address them in a loud tone. So quickly we found out that if we were going to stay happily married, that I needed to sit at the far end of the gym away from Lisa so that I could still shabak as much as I wanted to. And we'd go to the gym, and if her team was on this end of the gym at the bench, I would position myself at this end, okay? And I would tell Lisa, I'd say, they have a coach at this end, they need a coach at this other end. She's like, Jason, you're not the coach. I'm like... Yes, I am, Lisa. So we came up with a plan to get through this season, and I joined the team as the, as the uh, chaplain. And Lisa thinks I won't shabak as much as the chaplain as I did as a parent. We'll see how it goes. I'll update you later. <laughs> Number six, toda. It's like, ta-da, right? Ta-da. It means to lift your hands in adoration. Can I, just quick, can I see you lift your hands real quick? I just wanted to make sure you could do it. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I wasn't sure earlier. Psalm <laughs> chapter 50, verse 23. He who offers praise glorifies me, and to him that orders his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. You might notice, <clears throat> you were here earlier during worship, 
you might notice that we have quite a bit of toda in our church. We, we lift our hands, and I don't know if that expression is familiar to you or, or not. Depending on your church upbringing, you might think it's weird. You might not have ever seen it. I completely understand that. So just really quickly, I think of two things when I think of lifting of hands. Number one, I think of surrender. I think of surrender. Uh, if you were, um, if someone had you at gunpoint, what do they say? Put them up, right? I lift my hands. I surrender. Like, I'm not going to fight. I'm surrender. Do what you want, right? So this is part of that posture. When we lift our hands to the Lord, we're, we're surrendering. God, your will be done. Your will. God, what do you want in my life? God, I surrender to you. I'm listening for you. Here's the second thing I think of with lifting of hands is I think victory. I think victory, you know, there's certain times when we're singing, we're worshiping, and there's, this, there's a tone of victory, and it's just like, right? Like, yes, he's overcome. I'm on the right team. He defeated sickness. He defeated death. He defeated sin, right? So we, we, we lift our hands both for surrender, but also as a sign of victory. And then here's the last one, um, and I don't want you to get confused by this one because it sounds confusing. It's tahila. Not tequila, okay? But they both, they both produce kind of the same thing. Tahila means exuberant singing. And if you drink tequila, it also produces exuberant singing. I'm not saying you should drink tequila. I do think you should tahila, okay? So just so, just so we're clear. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will extol the Lord at all times, his praise will always be on my lips. His tahila will always be on my lips. Why don't you stand with me? I have one final verse, and then we're going to practice. We're going to worship. We have one final song. We're going to worship. One final verse I want to share with you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore... Let us continually offer to God, watch how it talks about praise here or worship here. Let us offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I'm going to teach you something here right at the end. Hebrews uses this phrase, sacrifice of praise. And here's what I've learned, is that I don't always feel like worshiping. I don't, I don't always feel it. I feel it a lot. I'll be honest. I, 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 I'm a passionate person. I'm pretty expressive. Lisa says I'm highly excitable. Like I just, so, so I feel it quite a bit. And on Sundays, I tend to feel it because we're together and I draw from the energy and the worship team. I get here early and they're practicing and I'm you know, moving through the sanctuary and checking things and, and, and their worship starts getting in my heart and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a good day. It's gonna be a good day. I start getting excited. But not every day is like that. Not every, not every moment that we choose to worship is like that. We don't, we don't always feel it. We, you know, we have, we have hard days. We have, we have tough days. We have, we have days where things aren't going right. And in those days, you're like, I don't feel like worshiping. And Hebrews talks about worship. It says, 
let us offer to God a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship. And what I've learned is that those sacrifices of praise are sometimes the sweetest moments with Jesus. Where you don't feel it, you don't feel it, but you, you just turn your heart. And sometimes I start those moments like this, God, I don't feel like worshiping right now. I just tell him, <laughs> I don't feel like it, but I'm choosing, I'm choosing. And I begin to rehearse the testimony of God in my life. And what I've learned is that as I rehearse all that God has done for me, my heart will naturally begin to express worship. I say, God, you saved me from my sin. My heart starts to turn. You rescued me. You set my foot on a solid path. You saved my marriage. You've, you've, you've saved my children. You've, wa you've walked through us through the tough times, through the fire. Through the and all of a sudden, I didn't feel like it, but my heart starts to turn, and I offer a sacrifice of praise. So I don't know where you are today. You might be on the mountaintop, and it's easy. And we're going to start worshiping in just a minute. And we, we're doing this song. We did it earlier. Jesus, you're the center. The, you know, we started the year. We put Jesus in the center as we talked about prayer. Now we're at the end of the year. We're going to put Jesus in the center as we talk about worship. And some of you are at the mountaintop. We're going to start worshiping. And you're going to go, I got victory. I have victory today. And some of you are going to need to surrender. And some of you are going to be like, why did Pastor Jason pick this today? Because I don't like my life. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to offer a sacrifice of praise. It's okay to get quiet. It's okay, like, I raise my hands like this, right? You can raise your hands like this. It's okay. You can raise your hand like this. Raise your hands like this. Just offer a sacrifice of praise. Here's why worship's so important. Is that as we worship, Scripture teaches that God sets his throne, throne up in our midst. We come on Sundays not to see each other. That's fun. Not to get the free coffee. That's nice not for the free babysitting at Harvest Kids. That's really nice. But because we believe that when we get into the presence of God, that it changes everything. So I'm gonna give you a few moments. Our worship team is gonna come. They're gonna lead us. I just wanna ask you to worship. You can Shabbat. You can Tahila. You can Tawda. You can do, all, you can do, all, you can do whatever your expression is. And let's see what God has in store for us. Worship team, will you help us? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.